Hello and welcome to the Capital Employed Podcast. For this episode I had the pleasure of talking to Craig Martin. Craig is the chairman of Dynam Capital and investment manager of Vietnam Holdings. Vietnam Holdings is a closed-end investment fund listed on the London Stock Exchange and as the name suggests, invest in the country of Vietnam. Full disclosure, I hold shares in Vietnam Holdings. I think Vietnam is a great growth opportunity for this decade. For this reason, it was a real pleasure listening to Craig talk about the opportunity Vietnam presents, his own experiences of the country, as well as diving deeper into some of the stocks held within the fund. So without further interruption, please enjoy my conversation with Craig. Hi, Craig. Uh, Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can you tell me what and who is Vietnam holding? Sure. Firstly, uh, myself, Craig Martin, I'm chairman of a firm called Dynam Capital. Um, We're a Guernsey regulated fund manager and we're responsible for managing Vietnam holding. So as you say, what is Vietnam holding? It's an investment company. It's listed on the main board of the London Stock Exchange under the ticker vnh.l. It's got a market cap of about 100 million pounds at an attractive discount of about 20% to the net value of the assets in the fund. So it's a closed-ended fund and invests in the exciting markets of Vietnam. It's been going about 14 years and Dynam Capital has been the manager for the last three years. And it's a fund that has a portfolio of about 25 good uh, Vietnamese companies. And as the fund was a very early signatory of the United Nations Principles of Responsible Investing. The fund has had over a decade of responsible investing in Vietnam. So that's that's what Vietnam holding is all about. And why invest in Vietnam? What makes the country such a compelling opportunity? Well, there are many, many points to that. Uh, and I've had the privilege of being involved in Vietnam over the last three decades. Uh, I would say the first really is the people, almost all 100 million of them. They're a very hardworking people and driven to perhaps better themselves. In some surveys uh, last year or so, the Vietnamese people responded saying they believe they are better off than their parents and that their children will be be better off than themselves, which is somewhat of an inverse of of perhaps if you ask that question in, in, in more Western countries. And at heart, the people are capitalist entrepreneurs. Although the country you know, is a socialist country with a communist kind of heritage uh, over the last uh, century, it's, it's capitalist entrepreneurs at heart, very optimistic about the future, traditional in values and cohesive as a, as a society. Um, and many you know, rags to riches stories. Years ago, I invested in a company in Vietnam making animal feed. Its founder had started out dirt poor. I think he was a, a bicycle rickshaw driver looking for customers in front of the cathedral in Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, he then started a, a business making feed for pigs and grew it into a business generating about probably $3 million of profit a year when I first invested and provided him with much needed expansion capital. 
he then went on to grow the business to make $50 million of profit a year and, and now is pretty much retired. So that there are great success stories of entrepreneurs, um, you know, that capitalist mentality succeeding in Vietnam. So the first one I would say is the people. The second would probably be the country, uh, very richly endowed with natural resources and a kind of strategic location in the heart of Asia. And with that, actually a very strong government that's able to take on challenges and win for many people you know when they think of vietnam they're more familiar familiar perhaps with the history of vietnam looking through the lens of of the american war of the 1960s and the early 1970s if we cast our minds back then it's almost unknown for a superpower like the us to be defeated by a small emerging nation but don't forget, you know, Vietnam had defeated the French 20 years before that and the Chinese about a thousand years before that as well. So the people are stoic and, you know, nationalistic. And if you fast forward to, to last year, to 2019 and the war of COVID, Vietnamese really brought out their A-team, um, strong, effective tracking and lockdown, implementing quarantine measures, as well as really, you know, recognizing you need to do some social distancing and encouraging mask wearing. And this, of course, was a time when people in the West were laughing at, and in sadly, in one case in London, attacking uh, Asians who were wearing masks. So Vietnam was able to get a strong grip on COVID, and as a country, it emerged with one of the highest levels of GDP growth in the world. So, so the country would be the second, the people the first, the country the second. And if we look at the third would be the economy. The macro environment in Vietnam is favorable, uh, very strong levels of foreign direct investment, leading to high levels of foreign reserves, and, and that's also backed up by record levels of, of trade surplus. Vietnam is very much an, an open economy and trades with the world. It has many bilateral and multilateral agreements in place over the years. And actually, last year, we saw you know, a rash of new uh, um, deals, one with the EU, the European Union Free Trade Agreement signed in August. Uh, one with the UK just sneaked in before the UK's Brexit deadline at the end of last year. And also, very importantly, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership was was signed in, in Vietnam. So, you know, the country is very much open for trade um, in that regard. So the economy is on a strong clip, uh, high growth last year, and this year looking at maybe 6 to as much as 8% GDP growth, which is it's kind of historical average over the last 30 years. So really uh, a growing economy. And then lastly, I would say the opportunity for Vietnam is the time. The, the last 25 years have seen tremendous growth in the economy, and now Vietnam is really at the cusp of, of acceleration, perhaps a bit like China a few years ago. As I mentioned, I've uh, been involved in Vietnam for almost 30 years, and, and when I visited as a tourist more than 28 years ago, I, I would sit in a little coffee shop and take pictures of the Vietnamese sitting outside with their funny conical hats on and watch the flowing ao yai, you know, the silken dresses on the people going by on their bicycles. So fast forward 25 years. It's the Vietnamese are the customers of the modern coffee shops and bars. They're fashion, fashionably dressed. They're inside, sensibly away from the heat, perhaps taking selfies of their lattes and, and their designer drinks. And now it's the foreign tourists who are sitting outside the cafes on the small little red plastic chairs, 
taking selfies of themselves, and they're wearing the funny Conancor hat. So it's, it's really tra- changed dramatically. And, and, and at this point in time, it's the per capita GDP that's really an important inflection point. Uh, it's now about $3,000 per person, which is three times what it was when the stock market opened less than 20 years ago. And so the Vietnamese are now entering this domestic consumption phase. And when China hit that level of per capita GDP, it then saw its economy double in less than five years. And in the last 12, 18 months, you know, Vietnam has more visibly stepped up to the global stage and has strengthened its kind of positioning as, as a key location for manufacturing and investment. And over the last year and a half, many companies are looking to relocate to Vietnam. Some of that's in high-tech, PC, tablet, smartphone manufacturing, which obviously is going through a lot of growth when people are working from home because of the pandemic. It's also in software development and uh, outsourcing, as well as those more traditional manufacturing for exports, perhaps in garments, textiles, and aquaculture. So it's a great time to be investing in Vietnam. These four pillars are really driving things forward. And in the last six months, actually, our fund, Vietnam Holding, has seen its assets grow by almost 50%. So I would say that's uh, why, why Vietnam and why now. Through Vietnam Holding, what, what type of sectors and companies do you mostly focus on? Well, we approach the opportunities really in two ways, a kind of like a top-down and then a bottom-up. So from the, the top-down, we like three main themes. The first of that would be industrialization. So it's a modernizing economy benefiting from this foreign direct investment trend over the last 25, 30 years, and the linkages, the business-to-business services as part of that industrialization theme. Uh, The second theme would be urbanization, as people are getting wealthier uh, and looking to move into into their own flats uh, and and houses and want to shop in modern shopping uh, environments, that whole urbanization, which leads into better infrastructure, demands for cleaner water, cleaner energy uh, in more recent times. And then the third leg would be the domestic consumer, that growth in in consumerism. And of course, all of these are also underpinned by financial services, banks. So we look at those as well from the kind of top-down themes. And then when we look at the bottom-up angle, we're really looking at companies that can compound their earnings at high rates over the next three or five years. And very importantly, we're looking at businesses that we as the investment manager can engage with. We've got a team on the ground um, in Vietnam, um, and so we can engage in a very authentic way with the owners and management of these businesses across the themes of, of strong ESG, environmental social governance, that we've uh, that the fund has been focused on for over a decade. So it's that kind of top-down themes and then the bottom-up looking for great companies, good businesses to invest in that are part of that theme. And the the fund is quite concentrated. Am I right in saying it's about 25 companies in the fund? Yes, that's right. Um, So we are concentrated intentionally because we want to be engaged with the businesses um, and so uh, we, we don't want two. We don't want sixty companies because then it's very hard to kind of monitor and actively be involved in those businesses. So across those three, three, three main themes of industrialization, urbanization, and domestic consumer, um, underpinned by that banking sector, we've got about yeah twenty five, twenty six uh, names, many of which we've held for a long time, 
and we're actively involved in monitoring those businesses. And we will add new names. We're a closed-end fund, so we have to sell something to buy something. Um, so we do take profit um, when those businesses have done their great job of compounding. Uh, we're not too scared to, to exit and, and put money into a, into a new name or into a new business. And can you talk us through uh, two of the companies in your portfolio that you feel have really good long-term potential? What, what's the thesis for investing in those companies? Yeah, sure. Look, I say within our portfolio, about 25 companies across those themes. There's perhaps two as an, as an example. One, which is our, uh, our biggest position, FPT. FPT kind of exhibits a number of characteristics across the themes we like. It's a leading technology and telecoms company. Um, it has a business which is also involved in domestic education. They, they educate uh, thousands of uh, over 50,000 learners in Vietnam uh, about IT and technology. That's one of the legs of their business. They're a, a domestic broadband and pay TV company. So that's playing to the growth and the demand. Uh, from Vietnam's uh, domestic consumers uh, and also businesses that need to be connected and digitalized within Vietnam. And then the third business is they provide outsourced software services to Japanese companies and US Fortune 500 companies, a bit like a number of the Indian outsourcers 20 years ago, the, you know, the Wipros and, and the Infosys and the Tata kind of companies in India. FPT has really carved out a strong position in that in Vietnam. So it's a Significant player, top three player in broadband, um, very significant player in um, in the offshore or outsourcing business uh, in technology. So fantastic growth. Last year was a fantastic year for it as well. It really came into its own during uh, COVID as well. It was seen as a very defensive stock. Um, it helped businesses digitalize. It helped a number of companies in Vietnam, including our other portfolio companies, deliver their AGMs through online means and electronic means. And it's uh, a good, good growth story. So last three years, probably you know, 15% to 20% compound annual growth in earnings. And yet modest in terms of valuation, 10 times price earnings. So we like it a lot. We've been uh, uh, an active investor in FPT. We took some profit last year. Um, it's one of the businesses that there's a queue of foreign investors wanting to buy this stock. And because this stock is involved in technology and telecommunications, um, it's one of the companies in Vietnam that's on a kind of restricted list. It's foreigners can't own more than 49% of the stock. Um, and so foreigners will bid at a high premium to own this business. So we, we took some profit last year. We managed to sell some of our position at a close to 50% premium to the price that we have it listed in, in the fund's net asset value. So a very good business, um, and it's, it's delivered well for the fund and continues to be our number one position. So that's FPT Corporation. The second one, uh, which also had a, a very strong uh, 2020, is Hua Fat Group. So unlike you know FPT, which is in technology and uh, education and, uh, and digitalization, Hua Fat Group's in a very much more traditional business. It's a steelmaker. It's the largest manufacturer of construction steel in Vietnam. Uh, and as you recall that the theme of industrialization and urbanization, a lot of that is involved around infrastructure and kind of housing. And so clearly as Vietnam grows, the demand for steel has been very uh, dramatic growth. 
what Huafat has done over the last few years, it's become a fully integrated player. It acquired a very large uh, business that it started to bring onto operation. So it can integrate all of the process from the raw materials coming in at one end and, and finished reinforced steel bar uh, and other steel pipes and other steel components coming out the other end. So it's got great market share, probably about 35% market share, and is earnings growth in 2020 were close to 30% and looking at strong uh, earnings growth as well into 2021. That said, it's still not an expensive company. Price earnings ratio are probably also single digit, 10 times and a little bit less than that. So a business that's got um, a strong market position uh, and good earnings growth. Um, and so they're, they're two, two of our, our, our businesses uh, and they perform very well for us. And as I've mentioned in the last six months, um, the fund's net asset value has probably risen by more than 50%. And, and both of these companies have been contributing factors to that. And in the last month, actually, out of our 25 companies, 23 companies were all positive growers and we only had two that saw small decline. So I was fortunately well-placed with a, a strong portfolio, but as you say, a, a concentrated portfolio. So we have to have belief. We're not an index player. We're an active investor, um, and we have to you know, keep a close eye on each of our portfolio companies for changes in their market conditions and to find things that other people aren't seeing that we think are, are positives uh, for those businesses. The overall valuation looks very um good as well when you compare it to the valuation of say like the american you know stock markets yeah that's right i mean the interesting thing so for for vietnam as a whole um good growth and and the stock market valuation is probably looking now it the market's rallied a lot in the last uh month or so probably on a 2021 forward price earnings ratio of about 14 times which is which is okay that's not um over uh, overvalued but that's supported by the growth. So we're looking at 20% plus earnings per share growth from most companies in our portfolio, certainly. And actually, in our portfolio, our, our price earnings is lower. Um, so we're probably at a you know 10 times PE, and yet we've got a 20 times uh, or 20% earnings growth. Uh, and that's in the net asset value of the fund. And then you look at the fund itself, which is listed in London. Um, and it trades at a discount of twenty percent to the net asset value. So um, you know, I think both that the market offers value, and, and certainly I would think that um, the fund at that level of discount offers value to people that perhaps want to uh, deploy some money into the Vietnamese stock market. If people want to learn more about Vietnam Holdings, uh, where can they go? Well, there's not a number of ways. We're, we're very open and engaged. They can always uh, e- e- email us or email me, craig at dynamcapital.com. Probably the best place to go would be to uh, the fund's website, uh, www.vietnamholding.com. There's lots of information on uh, on the fund and on Vietnam and all of our kind of uh, corporate information and fact sheets. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and sign up through the website for our monthly fact sheets uh, where we update on the performance of Vietnam, the market, and the fund. And, and we want to be very open and transparent and close to our investors. So we're always happy to to tell people more about Vietnam and about Vietnam holding. Okay, that's great. Yeah, th- thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. It's been a, it's a pleasure listening to you. Thank you. No, it's been a real pleasure to join in today.